Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Welcome. It's good to be with you again. And uh, once again, we're uh, meeting here through the internet. And uh, if it's your first time, let me just say thanks for coming. Uh, You're my personal guest. Uh, We are finishing up in what was known as a very ancient book, the book of Ruth, and found in the Old Testament, somewhere around the time of 1000 BC. And it's been an interesting story. Uh, We've called the, the, the title of this series in the book of Ruth, Starting Over with God, because that's what this gal Ruth does along with her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi. They leave the land of Moab and head back to uh, Israel and settle in a place in Bethlehem. Well, let me catch you back up to speed before we continue on. Let me just say that they've had a rough time. They were disadvantaged in every way. And since they have made it back to the land of Israel and back in Bethlehem and Ephrathah, well, they're now experiencing God's hand of blessing. And a part of that is God is creating a love story between this gal Ruth and this fellow Boaz. Well, they've met. Ruth was outstanding. She caught Boaz's eye. He's an outstanding, respectable dude. Uh, he caught her eye. And now Ruth, uncharacteristically, I would say, of someone of that era, especially a woman, says, dude, let's get married. Yeah, that's right. She proposed. But the way the culture was set is that, you know, there was some hoops that bro had to jump through because Naomi, her mother-in-law, had a piece of land, okay, and she needed to sell it. Uh, But in order to keep the land within the family, within the community, well, uh, they needed to go to this other person who is the kinsman redeemer, had the goel. Well, here's the story. Not only could they redeem the land and buy it so that it would stay within the family, but they could also require unique like combination of cultural elements here that there was somebody in the family whose husband had died, roots had died, and they were still of uh, marrying age. Uh, they would need to marry her also in order to raise up children for that family. Now, it may seem odd today, but I'm sure a lot of our cultural practices pretty seem seem pretty crazy to the culture that's going to come after us and to the culture that's before us. But that's just the way it was. But God worked in this. And what we're going to find out today, which makes this really cool, is that they go from a love story, sort of tragedy, busted, no hope, to now God is bringing this together and he's bringing it together in a love story. So we've learned a lot about marriage and so forth, but now's the point we get to the point to where we understand about this guy known as the, 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 the kinsman redeemer. Um, he's also called someone who is the goel. All right. Now in our text today, it will be referred to as a guardian redeemer. Now I'm already going to spoil this a little bit at once we, we look at this text, I'm going to, to let you know that this has implications for those of us who are living today in the era of Jesus Christ, since the advent of who he is and what he does and what he means to this world. Um, 
for Christ followers, we, we use the term all the time for him, which is redeemer. He's my redeemer. And, and the story, the narrative that God creates is of a world that's busted, of a humanity that's busted, that needs help. Now, the idea is that humanity needs someone to come along and help out. And uh, that's why heroes and heroines within movies are so important. <laughs> I mean, where would uh, all of these great movie like The Avengers and all of these comic book heroes now play such an important role in our culture? Well, it's because people look for the hero. We look for the person who's running through the burning building that saves other people. And even more, when someone uh, risks their whole life and lose their life in order to save other people, they get high praise, male or female. And so it is. That's a part of who we are as human beings. We know that we're not fully complete on our own. No matter what you may read in a popular magazine, everybody needs somebody. And I, it is our belief that everybody definitely needs Jesus. He's the best. Well, before we get started, we have a blessing we'd like to say over ourselves, the affirmation. And if you'd like to join in, it'd be great. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I welcome all he has for me today. By his word, he guides me. By his spirit, he strengthens me. By his will, he is transforming me. I am his workmanship, his unique work of art. And I welcome and I receive what he has for me today by faith in Jesus' name. All right. Well, let's look at the text. Ruth chapter 4. Boaz is heading down to uh, the place where you meet to take care of business, the city gate, to speak to the elders and, and try to get this matter worked out so that he can be the person that redeems Naomi's land and marries Ruth. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So we went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. All right, just a little bit here. Boaz was in line to be one of the redeemers. You had, there's a certain pedigree and family line that you had to have. There was not just anybody that could do this, but there was one more dude in front of him in line. And so what he's doing is going down to the city gate. That's sort of like where you'd hold court. You'd hang out down at the city gate and all the important matters would be taken care of there. And then he mentions, he goes, we have to, uh, the land that belongs to Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law um, belonged to our relative Elimelech. And in case you're, this is your first time with us, Elimelech was Naomi's husband who died. All right. Now, verse four. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, Tell me, tell me so, and I will know. 
for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am the next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Okay, so his buddy, the guy in line, says, I'll do it. Now, here's the catch, though. This is where Boaz wins. Verse 5. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the land, okay, from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. That means that he's going to have to take, if he wants the land to buy it, to keep it in the family, he's also going to have to take this dude's wife. And he's going to have to raise up kids for that dude's name. Okay? And so that's a little bit bigger than buying some land. And so this is where he wins. Look at verse 6. At the time, the guardian redeemer said, oh, then I can't redeem it because I might endanger my uh, you redeem it yourself. I cannot do so. So we don't really know what that means. We're not told. You know, he could be saying like, hey, dude, I can't have, uh, I can't do that right now. It's going to cost me too much money. It'll ruin my reputation. Or basically, it could be a nice way of saying, dude, I don't want to do it. He immediately just said, it's your deal. You can do it. All right. Good move. Boaz is happy right now. Look at verse 7. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, okay, not making this up, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today your witnesses that I have bought from Naomi the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Malon's wife, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family and from the hometown. Today your witnesses. Okay, here's the cool part about this is that, um, so how are we going to settle this deal, all right? Um, we're going to sign a piece of paper, we'll both sign it, and someone comes along as a notary. No, we'll just use the old ways of, I'm going to take off my sandal. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you. Now, to, this sort of little detail really is tough because it's hard to really find anywhere else and find some type of biblical precedent for this, which really lets us know, uh, scholars will say that it lets us know of the authenticity of this event. You know, if someone who had written later than this time, they could have written in practices that were more uh, convenient, practices that were more well-known from a, a time later, closer to our time. But this was something that was literally somewhat not necessarily known, widely known uh, within that culture. So, but that was the practice then. And so he says, okay, man, I want her. Okay, give me your sandal. So they did. Now, <clears throat> here's the cool thing, verse 11. So the elders said to all the people at the gate, we are witnesses. May the Lord make known Make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah. They were superstars back in the day, who together build up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous 
in Bethlehem. That's a way of saying what a blessing, okay? We're witnesses. We saw all of this. And so in verse 13, Boaz took his wife. She became his wife. And then he made love to her. And the Lord enabled her to conceive. And she gave birth to a son. So all of a sudden, it seems like, man, everything's working out in the story. Everything's going to be happy. And it's because God had a plan for them. He was an older dude. She was a Moabitess. Uh, chances of those two getting together in Israel were probably very slim, okay? Very slim. But God had a plan, and this is where it gets rich. This, as Paul Harvey would say, is the rest of the story, all right? Verse 14, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he be famous throughout all Israel. He will renew your life, sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who's better than you than seven sons, has given him birth. And Naomi took the child in her arms and cried for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and his name is Obed, which is servant. And his father is Jesse. Uh, he was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. Big, big, big implication here. A couple from nowhere, a couple of women who had no status, an old dude that had a good business, came together in a God story. And they just thought that they were being blessed. You know, two ladies, vulnerable, we could die. Old dude, pretty successful, but alone. Their lives are being blessed just by meeting and interacting with each other. But God's behind the scene, the one directing things. He's the one with the camera. You see, fast forward all the way into the New Testament, we have... Um, this picture of marriage, that the husband is supposed to love his wife, a wife supposed to respect her husband. Because Jesus in his relationship uh, with the church is pictured or given to us in terminology of, of husband and wife. That's the terminology that God picks to describe his relationship with the church. And so... Whenever someone's getting married, we all like to just think we're just sort of normal people unless you're royalty and you have a bunch of paparazzi or maybe you, you know, got famous for having, uh, you know, a ridiculous Instagram with all the stupid pictures on it and now you're famous, but you're not really worth anything, but you're famous. Um, but for the most part, most of us get together and we're married and we, we get together with our friends and we think that's the end of it. That's where it goes. But in God's economy... You just don't know. And this story reminds us not to think for one moment that all of a sudden, I don't know where God is. God's around. And God's writing a story. He's writing a story on you. He's writing a story about me and my life. And he wants to do something great with this. So what happens? Well, this idea of the kinsman redeemer um, is important to us. 
Because at that time, it was important within the culture. But God, the way that he does things, it's like he'll introduce the idea thousands of years ahead of time before the full understanding unveiled. That's just how he works. He's amazing. So we're told that the son of these two people, Ruth and Boaz, is someone who becomes an ancestor to King David. And as we read through the genealogies, especially those found in the, in the early Gospels about Jesus' genealogy, he comes through the priestly line, but he also comes through the kingly line of King David. David, the, the, the king, the honored king of Israel, is related to the ultimate Messiah who would not only be the one who redeemed his people, but he redeems the whole world, the redeemer of the world. That's his job. And so God takes this little story that seems to have no real big meaning other than for the people there and says, I'm going to, I'm going to foreshadow what I'm going to do with the world. You see, Naomi and Ruth needed help, okay? They needed someone to come along and redeem them. But God wrote it into the script of his people that there is a place for that. And there was one person who could do that. So you see, not just anybody could redeem uh, them. It would have to be a, the right person, the right person in the line. They had to have the right genealogy. Well, guess what? It's not just anybody who could come in and redeem humanity and say, I'm going to give my life for humanity. That's Jesus. He comes through it. Uh, he has the right genetic profile. He had the right lineage. And because he was both from heaven, from God, and also human, he had the unique ability that no one else did to do the job. Okay? You getting the, you getting the impact of the story? You see why it's so important here? You see, it's pointing ahead to a time when just the right person at the right time could come in and redeem and make something beautiful. Something that started out so tragic. Remember Naomi? Her name was, it meant pleasant, but when she got to town, she's like, ah. Call me Mira because God's made me bitter. Okay? All of a sudden, Naomi's lifting up her grandkid. Yeah, my name's Naomi again. Experiencing God's goodness and in life and sin and separation from God and kick to the teeth, kick to the teeth can make us bitter and have no hope. And then God says, it's okay, I provided you a redeemer. I provided you somebody. I know how jacked up you are. I know your need. And it's okay because I provided someone. And that someone is my own son. And I'm going to deal with it in him. And so here's the Jesus story. The big event in history. It says that he came to redeem his own. He came to seek and to find that which was lost. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, a sacrifice of himself so that others could be free. And he did that on a place called the cross. Many of you may have little necklaces. I think the cross is a cool-looking symbol. 
But back in, in Jesus' day, it was the symbol of death and execution and torture. And he said, I'm, I'm going to go there. Because that's, that's really the penalty of humanity completely going astray from God. I mean, think about it. They start out in this peaceful garden, and then pretty soon we're having wars, killing each other, raping, murdering, just every kind of disastrous garbage that just humiliates this experience of humanity. We can't deny any of that. We can't deny the existence of evil on the earth. You're just, you're lying, okay? And I don't believe you. If you think that you're going to get by by saying there's no evil in the world. You're sticking your head in the sand and you're lying. Okay? Called you out. That's just the way it happened. But here's the deal. God says, you don't have to lie. I got you. And I got somebody that has the qualifications who can forgive you and set you on a feet again and take you from bitter to better to great to thanking God and praising God. That could be your story. That could be your marriage. That could be your family. Wherever you are right now, if things stink, and by the way, if you haven't been paying attention to the news, it's heartbreaking. It seems like we have a big virus and it's just knocking everybody in the teeth. If it's not getting you physically, it's, it's messing with your family. It's messing with your economic status. You're losing jobs, people losing hope. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we have the death of a brother in Christ, a Christ follower, George Lloyd. And we saw on television what happened, and we were all shattered in our hearts. And so now you have a world that's hurting. People in the streets are hurting, man. They're, they're just and I look at it and I think, we need somebody. And the Lord says, man, who are you going to believe in, Dave? Is it a politician that's going to fix this for you? Is it just your vote that's going to fix this for the world? Is it going to be the right idea and the right people with the right stuff? I think it's too big. It's got to start with the kinsman redeemer the one who has the qualifications, who said he will make a people for himself from every tribe and every nation, every color, every language. That's his deal. And if you want that, my friends, God can give you hope. In the right place at the right time, just when you need it the most. And just a little word to the church before we, we wrap this up. It's real easy to jump on board and choose sides and, and say, you know, have your opinion about stuff. Let me just say something. Scripture tells us in the book of James, Jesus' younger brother, he said, be slow to anger. Be quick to listen, okay? Slow to speak. Not quick to judgment. Slow to speak. In other words, shut your mouth, open your eyes and open your ears and learn something. I think that's the first thing to do. If you don't know for surely what's going on, you don't know what to say, sit and listen and pay attention. Secondly, don't defend your side. Okay? 
I don't care what color your skin is, whatever side you're on, you just can't wait to get on social media or whatever and just say, well, blah, 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 blah. Just, again, slow to speak. Shut your mouth. Open your eyes. Open your ears and listen. And listen for the Lord and don't defend yourself. One of my favorite pastors used to say this. I love it. He says, listen, if you want to defend yourself, God will let you. If you want him to defend you, then you need to not defend yourself and let God do it. This is not a time to run around with your opinions about everything. This is a time, I, I believe, for believers to listen, to seek the Lord, and to earnestly see how he would move us to work powerfully to bring peace and love and unity and justice to this place. I don't believe in a, I don't believe in the ability of human beings to figure this all out because everybody's got a plan, but nobody's fixed it yet. You show me how it got fixed. It ain't fixed. It's Jesus, man. I'm sticking to that. I'm sticking to him. I'm somebody that's broken. I'm somebody that needs him. And so all I knew, know to do is to call out to other folks and say, hey, there's help right here. And I'm sticking to that because he doesn't disappoint and he never has disappointed. If you want that, you call upon his name, you ask him for forgiveness, and you can start with God today. And if you've left God and you just kind of walked away and listen, start over with him. Start over. Get the journey back again. Get moving. Do what's right. All right? And, and God will begin to move us where we need to be, saying the right things, doing the right things, because we'll be representing him and not ourselves. That's a true story. Love you guys. Uh, before I, I say goodbye, I want to leave you with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God, smile on you and gift you. God, look you full in the face and make you prosper. I love you, and I can't wait to see you next week. Keep your ear to the ground. God speaking. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.